you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State! Welcome in the latest episode of that. SEC Podcast, brought to you by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much. What you uh, drinking on this episode, Shane? All right, Mike, so I'm drinking today Never heard of this company. It's called Suffer Fest Beer Ooh. Company. Proudly female founded. We craft beer for those who like to earn it. And it says at top says we'll sweat for beer. So apparently this is like a healthy beer, I'm guessing. Uh it's called maybe a diet beer. It's called a gut check. Indian pale. A hundred calories, six carbs. So yeah, man. Look at me. I'm getting in shape, Mike. So <laughs> I'm going to try this bad boy. It looks good. I poured it in my glass. Good head. Good color. So it looks like a light beer. And uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, Mike. What do we got? Hey, well, before we get around the, the league here, we've got uh, some funny things going around. Uh, did you see this damn, I don't know how how much it weighs. I think it weighs like a damn ton. But this $1 million <laughs> cock here outside williams Bryce Stadium at South Carolina. I mean, if you have not seen this thing, it's... Uh, I mean, it's a, it looks like it's as big as a school bus here. They got a giant mm-hmm. gamecock outside the stadium. What what are your thoughts on that one, Shane? Oh man, I love it, Mike. My first reaction was, look at this huge cock, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, five thousand other people came up with that, that joke. So uh, I love it, man. This is, you know, this is what football's. This is what's so funny, Mike. We can't fire must champ because we ain't got money. But we've got a million dollars to burn on this golden cock. You know, it's like, what? Your priorities are all messed up. But one of the funniest comments I saw was, uh, it's like the Trojan horse, and and there's going to be a whole bunch of volunteer fans in there. They're going to pop out week one. Well, it's funny that you went right to Muschamp, because that's kind of where my mind went. And how long is it going to take? I know... Muschamp, his hot seat's cooled a little bit here, but all all it's going to take is one bad loss, maybe even in the opener against Tennessee, and uh, we're going to be seeing cardboard cutouts of Will Muschamp right up that uh, Cox where the sun don't shine. You know what I mean? Like They're setting themselves up for disaster, I feel like, with this thing. Well, they knew they had to sneak it in at some point, Mike, and it's here. They, it's like ripping a Band-Aid. They knew a lot of people were going to make fun of it, but... 
five, 10, 15 years down the road, when you're used to looking at this thing, it's going to be a pretty cool, I think a pretty cool feature for the stadium. But yeah, just right now it's like, what's the worst time to whip this, this statue out, you know, and it's definitely 2020 mid COVID. So, (laughs) uh, you know, so I guess they just, they said, you know what, we got to get in here sometime. Well, you know, that's not the only, uh, kind of bizarre thing going around the SEC. You see this, uh, Ole Miss, they wanted to pay tribute to all the healthcare workers there, uh, in, in Oxford and all that. And they, they're honoring them with a cup. So Ole Miss put out this uh, a tribute to all these healthcare workers. They're calling it <laughs> Ole Miss Heroes. They, it, you know, they got a poster in the background with all these, uh, you know, I assume wonderful doctors and nurses, physicians, uh-huh. what have you. And you know, we're not making fun of those people. Certainly, those those are true heroes. But then in the back here, we've got a porn star. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody's pulled some shenanigans. I don't know if Ole Miss did that on purpose or. More than likely, they got duped, but uh, my goodness, they they put a, a fake pornography, da- a fake uh, doctor <laughs> porno actor among all these other things. So I, I, that's pretty hilarious, isn't it? I think an intern's getting fired today, Mike. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, even when, like, how do you know? Like, if you look at this picture, there's like a thousand little faces. And how do you look at this one and say, this is like some porn star guy you know what i'm saying it's like either you've been spending way too much time online or you are a part of this so i'm thinking option b i think somebody said let's see if we can make this work and he's told this buddy and that buddy next thing you know it caught fire so uh i love it man lane kiffin ain't been down there a year we've got porn stars on everybody's cups now (laughs) yeah that's a good point i didn't even put that two and two together there but uh yeah i mean so that's that's basically all we got to intro the show you ready to go around the league oh let's do it buddy now let's go around the league my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because i'm getting bald so uh i'm gonna wear a hat from here on out I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, go! Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, Chad, I wanted to start real quick here in uh, Fayetteville where, you know, we've been praising up the job that Sam Pittman's been doing. You know, obviously he's not coached a damn game on the field yet, so we're not trying to crown him or anything, but Mm -hmm. the staff he's put together, you know, we've gone on and on about it, but I think the the one coordinator – that is being overlooked there in Arkansas is the hire of Scott Fountain, the special teams coordinator. We all know a dis, you know what a disaster the special teams have been the last couple of years under he, under uh, Chad Morris there. So mm-hmm. it was very critical in my mind that uh, you hire an experienced special teams coordinator. This guy coached at uh, Georgia, Mississippi State, Auburn. He was a part of the staff that went to the national championship in Gus Malzahn's first year. 
and he was recently on the Hog Pod. Mm-hmm. And just when you think you knew everything there is to know about the uh, the kick six, you know, with, I think it's the most famous play in college football history. We've all seen it a hundred times, but something happened right before the kick six that Scott Fountain noted, and they had to call timeout and they got it uh, the issue corrected. But this will just give Arkansas fans an indication of the level, uh, the attention to detail that this guy puts into his special teams and. That's just going to be a sight to see after you know a couple of years yeah. of poor special teams play. So let's kick it over to Scott Fountain from uh, the, the Hog Pod. 56 yards for the win. Number eight block kick can go the other way, too. He's got to be careful and get it up. I look out on the field, and we got, we got the return on, and we have the wrong guy under the goalpost. We have guys never returned a punt. He caught them in practice. But he never returned one. I said, Coach, we got we got call timeout. Timeout taken. Be a 30-second timeout. They come back over, and of course we move Chris Davis, our punt returner, under the goal post, and then of course he carries it back for the touchdown. Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. All right, Shane, so I just thought Arkansas fans would appreciate this clip if they missed it. This is a really good uh, Arkansas Razorback podcast. If you're not subscribed already, I recommend you doing it. But, you know, like I said, it's important. You know, Arkansas is not going to turn around overnight, but this is how you get them in the right direction is by hiring coaches like a Scott Fountain, like a Barry Odom, like a Kendall Bryles. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, and you talk, you talk to some of the great coaches. I, I'll never forget Bill Belichick talking. It's just like special teams, I think, sometimes is more important to him than offense and defense. And the fact that you didn't have a coach and now you finally do have a coordinator for special teams, it just it makes sense. And I, I don't know. I just think that how many times do you watch an opening kickoff and then it's it's for six and then all of a sudden you got momentum on your side you're just everybody's totally pumped up or you got good coverage man you you got a kick down how many times you you watch it a game all guys are fired up and they they pin them down there at the 15 yard line i mean special teams are important it, it creates momentum it, it it starts some of these drives and uh I just I'm I'm glad Arkansas finally took it serious. Uh, it seems like Pittman didn't hesitate uh, in getting a good one in there. One aspect of special teams you didn't mention. I mean, we can all recall, you know, like the Justin Fields fake punt pass in, in mm-hmm. the SEC championship game. That was a disaster. I mean, if you don't coach this thing up right, these players aren't prepared. Uh, we generally don't remember the ones that work, but we remember the ones yeah. that you know are spectacular failures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goes to the special teams coordinator, getting these guys ready to play. So uh, that's, I don't know, I keep talking about it, and I'm not saying Arkansas is going to just start whipping everybody in the SEC, but when you start to see all this stuff, I mean, I think they're clearly pointed in the right direction there. Absolutely. How long before we stop remembering North Texas? (laughs) You know, it's like (laughs) Arkansas, man, they just – if you can't right now, especially being a young team like this and a new coach, it's like 
fix what you can fix. And I think special teams is that. If you could control a third of the aspect of the game, then you can work on the other two. And I really like how some of these coordinators try to implement getting some of these players in, uh, you know, not just B team, not just backups. I'm talking, you know, I want to, I want to special teams should be important and you should have starters out there because it's an important part of the game. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, next let's kick it on down to College Station. Gigamagus. When Jimbo Fisher met with the media here on Thursday, and he had a lot to say about his offense, particularly Isaiah Spiller and uh, the, the improvements that he's seeing in camp that he expects to make on the field. And he also talked about Kellen Mond. And, I mean, it, it's almost like they're dating. You know, he's I know Jimbo just yeah. got married, but it seems like he's got a crush on old Kellen, and they're finishing each other's sentences and all this. So, I mean, that's what you want to hear. But at the same time, at the, the last clip here, this is, tr- this is troubling to me. Kellen Mond's roommate, team captain, started every game last year. Receiver Jamon Osmond was scheduled to be the number one receiver there in College Station. He's not been at practice, and Jimbo didn't really give a whole lot of clarity on, on what exactly is going on. Maybe it's it may be something personal, but I think he would have just said family matters are personal and, and just left it to that. But it's kind of open-ended. So let's kick it over to Jimbo, and then I got something to ask you on the other side here. ask you about Isaiah Spiller. Um, huh? Was he a little bit maybe underappreciated from the outside last year with what he did as a true freshman and then your expectations for him with the year in the program? Well, I think that was, was a big responsibility went on him and how quick it went on him to be a starter after a game two injury. You know, he had done great well in camp. And hopefully, you know, you could have supplemented him in a backup role for a few more games before you had to do that. that that's a big role for him to come in and have 900-some yards and catch the ball. And, you know, and Isaiah is a great young man, getting better and better. And, yeah, he's going to be counted upon extremely, extremely important for our offense coming this year and needs to have a great year. Hey, Jimbo, what's one element to your offense or your defense, or if you wanted to say both, maybe one element offensively and defensively that you're convinced will be noticeably improved this year, Jimbo. It's uh, uh, I think our overall ability uh, to be diverse, the diversity I think we can create offensively, hopefully. Uh, still being able, we've got to be physical and run the ball, but you know, hopefully we can, I think, create plays down the field, uh, create more big plays, the things we got to do. Uh, to, you know, to do that because big plays are, besides turnovers, is probably the second most important thing in winning games, hopefully. I think defensively, I think I've been very pleased uh, some of our young guys, and I think our overall secondary play uh, is really getting getting depth there, and I think our front guys are doing a good job of mixing and matching more healthy up front. We, we got a pretty good group in there. So uh, in those areas, I think we'll, we'll, we ought to see some improvement. My follow-up is uh, Jamon Osmond. It seems we haven't really seen him much uh, or at all on the, on the recent videos. Is something going on with him? Is he still in camp and, and healthy? And have you had any other players opt out since the two defensive backs last No, week? we have the guys opt out. We've had guys miss practice for different reasons and different things, but Oz is still with our team. And, uh, you know, sometimes these guys take – we take a little time to reflect on different things, but Oz is still still on our team and, and on our roster. Yes, sir. And we're, you know, a lot of our younger guys are getting a lot of work. With how things have gone quarterbacks-wise around the country in the last several years, how special is it to you as a coach to have a quarterback returning who is a, a four-year starter? And oh. also, to how special is it as, as you mean that the fact that if things go well for Kellen this year, he could uh, leave here as the record holder for passing yards, for passing touchdowns, and, and 
be one of the most decorated record book quarterbacks in school history. I, I didn't realize that, but he's doing outstanding. He's had an outstanding camp right now and having a four-year starter who knows how you think, what you want. And like you say, right now, he's finishing a lot of my sentences and the things we want. And I mean, he's really, in my opinion, taking some great steps. Uh, and hopefully I think it'll show on the field, but I mean, his, his leadership, just his execution, his comfort level with what we're doing and how we're doing it. And the guys around him, I think, are executing, which is really helping too. So in that regard, it's good. And then our two young guys, and I've been very pleased with them too. But having Kellen there has been huge, and I think he's doing a tre- I mean, tremendous job right now. All right, Shane. So the Aggies obviously lost two tight ends already for the year. They lost Cameron Bunkley. One of their senior receivers was likely going to start. And now it sounds like Jamon Osmond is – I mean, he says he's with the team, but he's not been there. So I don't know what to make of that, but – I don't know, all of a sudden here, it seems like we're really losing some momentum that we had going into the season. I, how, I'm kind of worried about Texas A&M. What about you? Huh, maybe not worried. That's not the word I would use, but not as confident, I guess you could say. I, I felt pretty good about the Aggies coming into this season. I felt like this was going to be their year to really pop. I thought Jimbo had a lot to prove, and of course – with everything that's going on with the added games and, and stuff, you know, I, I lost a little confidence, I guess, with the fact that uh, the schedule, the road to an SEC championship got harder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about a couple of players um, because everybody's going through this. Everybody's losing a few players, whether it be through injuries or opting out or so, you know, it seems like a lot of teams are dealing with this, uh, and I'm sure we're going to deal with a lot more as the season progresses. So I'm not worried because one thing that A&M does have is is a lot of depth, not just not just bodies, man, competitive depth. So, yeah, I'm not as worried as most, but, you know, my eyebrows are definitely raised. Well, that's why I like talking to you, Shane, because you're talking me off the ledge here. I, I was about to say <laughs> – Aggies falling like a stone, but you're making some good points there. Uh, the the issue, though, potentially for me is they got to have a hot hot start here. They play Alabama week two, mm-hmm. Florida week three. So, I mean, things could go sideways here pretty quick on them. Now, if they find a way to win one or both of those games, it's completely different. Maybe they're doing a 180. Maybe they're the hottest team in the SEC. So, mm-hmm. they've got an opportunity to prove themselves early. But I'm just – I guess before you – you know, you, you made your good points there, but we've kind of been hearing all offseason that it's time for Jimbo to prove it. Kellen Bond, this will be his fourth year where he's starting at quarterback. So, I mean, they've got an advantage at that position with the experience that no one else in the SEC has got. We all know Jimbo's record getting these quarterbacks ready to play. And it just seems like guys are dropping like flies. So we need Kellen Mond to step up. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is a money year, and that – I'm just a little concerned about if it doesn't go their way, what, you know, how hot is that seat going to be? But I guess that's right. nothing new. That's something we've kind of been talked about all off season. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because going into any college football game, you need a good general manager at head coach, and and that's something Jimbo's proved that he can do. But I think 2020 is going to be a lot more about coaching uh, because, like you said, there's going to be days. I mean, you may lose a your starting line, God forbid, you know, they're around each other with this COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. And now you've got the second group coming in and they've got to be ready to go. So I think when we look back at the end of the season, we're going to really judge Jimbo 
not so much about a, as, as a general manager, but how good of a coach is he? And if he can coach and, you know, he's losing a couple of players and getting these, you know, getting them in the right spot, make sure he has the best talent out there and they're all, they're all prepared, you know, then we may look back and say, you know what, there's a reason he's one of the highest paid guys out there. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. <laughs> so head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC. Over at mybookie.ag, thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code, that SEC. All right, Shane, let's kick it on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where, you know, this is something that we had been talking about previously. LSU's got a lot of new faces, and mm-hmm. some of these kids are transfer players, and the uh, former North Dakota State. Linebacker Jabril Cox, the former Harvard offensive lineman Liam Shanahan, they met with the media here and they talked about you know why they came to LSU, what they've got to prove, and then Cox. I love any any and all questions about Eric Gilbert. So he was asked about <laughs> defending Eric Gilbert. My God, he went on. He he loves this guy more than we do. So uh, let's <laughs> kick it over to once again. This is Jabril Cox and Liam Shanahan. Two graduate transfers down there with a lot to prove at LSU. I know you've obviously come from big-time football and winning national championships. What was your mindset in terms of wondering, how am I going to transition mm-hmm. to the SEC and you know, let alone your head coach saying that kind of stuff before a game even was played? All right. I just felt I had to prove myself. Uh, coming from a smaller school and then going into the SEC, it's a different ball game. There are going to be a lot of doubters, a lot of people saying, uh, he's not ready and just going in each day just trying to be the best that I can and that's starting in practice and the coaching staff and the players they've helped me a lot and helped me prog- progress and become the best athlete I can be. What did O'Kalini and Coach Ogeron sell you on to get you to Baton Rouge? Did they tell you you could better your draft stock, you had another shot at national championship? What was told to you in the recruiting process? Yeah during the process uh, I seen that they had three linebackers go to the draft. So right there off the bat, uh, it was an eye-opening thing for me to see that I could come in and compete and try to win a starting spot. So that right there is one of the main reasons. And also just knowing Coach Bo Pelini and his scheme of things and the way he coaches uh, was also a reason to come to LSU. I, um, I was curious if you said you like to play in space. Have you gotten a chance to cover Eric Gilbert yet? And uh, when you're an older guy, what's your impression of him uh, as a kid who's a, an 18-year-old? Yeah, I've uh, lined up in the slot uh, against him a couple times. Uh, he's a big target, fast as well. Uh, just my impression first right off the bat is uh, he has kind of a Megatron type of build. And just seeing him, you think he's going to try to run you over, but he also has the moves to 
also juke you and uh, shake you on the route. So just uh, seeing him, the ceiling for him is way so high. Uh, if he continues to be uh, to get better, uh, he could be the best tight end to ever play college football. Uh, it's only up to him and his hard work. But Eric Gilbert, he's going to be a special one. Um, Liam, obviously, uh, your decision to come to LSU and um, what have you been? What have been your impressions of the team so far? Um, yeah, I mean, coming to LSU was was really kind of a no-brainer for me. Um, you know, I, I wanted to, to try to get to to the highest level of college football, and and that's really what it is here. Uh, you know, so far it's been great. Um, you know, the guys, uh, both like my teammates and and the coaching staff, have really done a great job. Uh, you know, not only making me feel welcome here in, in the team, but like catching me up to speed, so I'm ready to go and, and ready to compete right away. So. Just curious, just you know, since you've gotten on campus and, and practice and everything, I mean, just what has been, I guess, the biggest adjustment for you? Uh, obviously, coming from Harvard and now playing some big time SEC football. Um, yeah, just like you said, coming into SEC is it's an adjustment from the Ivy League. Uh, so just just across the board, really everything there. I'm just trying to do everything I can to to be as best prepared day in day out uh, to where I'm I'm doing the best that I can to improve. You know, not only myself, but um, us as an offensive line and as an offense. Uh. You've talked about making the transition and kind of been eager to prove yourself. I think that would be the case for a lot of the guys who are back on the team with kind of a national storyline that LSU lost all these guys from the national championship team and there might be a fall off. Do you sense from your teammates in the locker room that guys are playing kind of with a chip on their shoulder or looking to something to prove? Um, yeah, like there, I would say yes to that. Um, one thing that we've kind of been talking about is, well, yeah, like last season obviously was historic season, a great season. Like, like you said, there's, there's a lot of new guys stepping up and, and, you know, we're, we're our own team now. So we, we really have to turn the, like kind of turn the chapter and, uh, you know, start writing our own, our own story now, um, which is really why it's so important that we go out every day and, uh, you know, don't waste any time. Take advantage of every single time that we are on, we're on the field because, you know, there's new guys that are stepping up and we have the guys that, that are capable of doing so, um, which is why we really just have to take advantage of, of all the time that we have. So, um, No pressure, but the, the last transfer that LSU got turned out pretty good. <laughs> uh, just what are your thoughts on, you know, again, kind of coming in and, and continuing that trend and then from the outside looking in about this offense, I don't know how much college football you followed, but you know it was a pretty pretty big difference last season to from what LSU has been. How excited are you to be a part of you know this offense and carrying that momentum forward? Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to be here. I can't stress it enough. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to kind of come down here and prove myself uh, in in the SEC and playing for a program like LSU with so much. Um, kind of tradition and, and even offensive line tradition, uh, you know, where I'm just really trying to do everything I can every day to to live up to the standard that's set. Um, you know, and, and uh, this offense this year, we, you know, we we obviously have a lot of doubters, but we, uh, you know, we got to take it one day at a time, like I've been saying, um, and really start making strides throughout practice, so so that we're ready when the time comes on September 26th. So. All right, Shane, so, I mean, these sound like two motivated guys and mm -hmm. seasoned vets. 
And it's not often, I mean, you know, some people are against all these transfers, but it is what it is now. And it's, you know, in a sense, it's kind of like free agency. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's perfect for LSU right now with how many losses <laughs> they got. And I think that's kind of where I get agitated with all these people that say, well, hell, they're, they've lost all the starters but three in, in all this. And, you know, they're bringing in quality guys to replace them. And, at, and I was on another podcast recently, and he was – you know, peppering me with questions about LSU only returning a couple of defender, defensive players, mm-hmm. and how bad that's going to hurt the Tigers this year and all this. But you know, I think we've kind of we always forget the the storylines of the season, and we get transfixed on how the season ended. And wow. yes, LSU went on this epic historic run, and their defense, you know, it came together by the by the end of the season, but. The entire storyline, you know, Alabama fans, Auburn fans, Florida fans, they were just talking about how garbage LSU's defense was. Mm-hmm. Remember they gave up like 38 points to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was Texas was going up and down the field on them. Uh, that was the storyline is, is LSU does not have the defense to win the national championship. Now, obviously they did it, but I think they've switched to a defensive scheme that – more more in line with what Coach O wants. We're getting some of these linemen back more involved. So I think that's a big part of why I'm high on LSU. I think they're getting – they have a coordinator that Coach O's – not that he didn't trust Dave Aranda, but I just don't think he was very happy with him. Mm-hmm. And I think it really started with that damn 70-something point <laughs> Texas A&M game. I mean, he's yelling at Dave Aranda the entire damn second half and, and overtime periods, but – I say all that to, to you know get to the fact that Jabril Cox came in here, wanted to play for Bo Pelini, and I think there's a there's a real chance that LSU gets back to their ways to where, you know, they're dominant on defense, and that's what they had been missing last year early, and now they got the offense. It was it is almost like a flip flop where they have this elite offense, but the defense mm-hmm. wasn't as good. What's gonna happen if LSU's got this elite defense again? And then they're still managing to score 35, 40 points a game. <laughs> I mean, they're going to be damn near unstoppable. Well, I, I mean, they're not going to have to score that much, Mike. I, I, I'm sure there was times last year a coach would like to just sit on the ball and run, but that's just not how that machine was oiled up. And I, I think that uh, this season was going to be a little bit different. I think he's got a, a, a healthy backfield. Uh, a stable of running backs that can do multiple things. So I, I'm expecting a little more run this year than I am past. Just, you know, I mean, you, you'd have to. I mean, you don't have Joe as a quarterback. You don't have Chase out there on the outside. You know, yes, we're high on Eric Gilbert, but he's a tight end. So uh, I, I expect more play. I, I don't know. I, I don't think – I don't know. I just think – I think it's funny how we we always do this with college football we always compare last year's team or or four years ago when they were winning 10 win to have 10 wins or mm-hmm. you know i think we we find ourselves comparing teams and that's not fair uh, that, i mean just think about the questions that that they just asked they asked uh you know is is there that type of attitude in the locker room where you want to go prove yourself make your own name and then it's followed up by a question, uh, you know, comparing them to Joe Burrow. So it's like they're, they're, they can't get out of the shadow. It's going to be hard because LSU was just such a fantastic team last year. But what I like about Coach O, and you saw this with 
uh, like Canada. When things didn't work out with Canada, he got his ass out of there and got somebody else in. Mm-hmm. And then he changed it. So if he's not liking the defense, he got it out. He he had pl- he could have picked anybody, man, to come to a national championship LSU team. He could have picked anybody. He went with Bo, and and there was a reason because he's looking at his roster. He knows exactly what he has and what could work and what he wants to see implemented. So yeah, I think we're going to see a totally different program. Not not just defense, but also on offense. I think you know Coach O's proved to everybody that he can adjust. You know, based on the talent of the team. Mm-hmm. All right, last stop we got around the league here, Shane. Let's jump on down to Knoxville real quick. Balls are back. And before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play Jeremy Pruitt met with the media right before we hopped on the show here. And I got to be honest with you, he didn't get much into football-related matter. I mean, he did, but it was a lot of coronavirus talk. And, yeah. and he was upset that, uh, you know, Cade Mays is not eligible and all this. So we've, we know those stories, but... I think the biggest story out of Knoxville today, I mean, my God, it was all over my timeline, was this damn tiger. Apparently there's a tiger on the loose. Everybody stay safe, stay, stay inside. I mean, help even Coach Pruitt, he, he's not going for his daily walk. So he was asked about that. That's actually how he ended his, his presser. He, he asked the question on that one. And then uh, he was also asked about, you know, how often – does he reach out to these other SEC coaches and discuss, you know, these COVID situations and how they're dealing with it? And uh, he had an all-time quote here. It's a little bit of a shot at Kirby Smart, but, you know, in my opinion, he's he's just joking here. But it's not often that uh, Coach Pruitt lets loose like this, so we had to give you these clips. Jeremy, have you talked to other SEC head coaches, maybe the ones that you get along with, about their procedures and what they're having to deal with when it comes to contact tracing at their schools, and have you have you gotten any feedback from maybe the two to three to four guys that you might speak with? Now, Trey, I I, I talk to these guys quite a bit. Okay, uh, but I can assure you, okay, okay. If, there, if there was some kind of competitive advantage that somebody else would get, they sure wouldn't be sharing it. I well, I, hey, I understand that, but Will Muschamp came out and talked about his twelve guys that 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 were contact traced, so. Hey, look, I'm sure there's one guy you at least get along with in this conference. Hey, let me tell you, every time I played golf with Kirby Smart, he's the only person I ever seen uh, that he always finds his ball in the woods. Always. Can I ask you a question? Have they found that tiger yet? (laughs) I don't think so. I'm serious. I've found my wife called me today and I missed my noon walk because I was concerned about that tiger. I think it's hanging out with Jimmy Himes. (laughs) You guys have a good day. (laughs) All right, Shane. So how about it? I mean, what's, what's the latest down there? How they found that damn tiger? (laughs) I don't know, man. It's like Jumanji out here, man. We got, (laughs) because yeah, let me just kind of break down Knox Media or Knox Police Department news. Uh, first off, we had a plane, a little personal plane, land on 640 the other day because it ran out of gas. You know, <laughs> so on the clip I'm watching this plane. Of course, I made the joke that John Curry's still out there looking for our next 
head ball coach. But uh, <laughs> so that thing flies off. Then we have the tiger, and then what? An hour or two later, you know, a family put out a bolo for a wallaby, whatever the hell that is. So you know, I don't know, man. It's just. It's 2020, and I'm here for the memes, uh, you know, the Tiger King or whatever it was. Uh, uh, those were fantastic, but I don't know. I don't know if they caught this thing. I don't even know if it's really out there. So, But uh, that's that's what we're talking about here in Knoxville, Tennessee. So, But uh, I, love the, I love the joke about the, the ball in the woods. I think that's perfect uh, <laughs> because I'm the same way, man. <laughs> I'll find that ball if I look hard enough. <laughs> So do you if if uh, if I had to ask you just a wild guess, if there's one coach, I mean maybe it is Kirby Smart, but if there is a coach that every that more often than any other is gonna lie about finding his ball in the woods, which coach are you gonna go with? Which coach do I think would lie about the ball? Like who would be most likely to lie about it? Yeah. Uh. God, it'd be hard not to pick Kiffin. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to try that, but I could see Urban Meyer and Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> Urban. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I could see. I, I don't think Dan Mullen would do it because he knows he's got a guilty face. You know, Have, well, that, that seen, was going to be my pick because we've all seen the the classic, you know, gif of him. Yeah, just... him with that goofy face. <laughs> I just don't think he. I think he knows that he couldn't get away with it. So right. I, I wouldn't say him. I would either say, uh, God, one of the Mississippi guys. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be Leach or, uh, or or Lane Kiffin. Either one of those two. <laughs> I think I think Leach probably would throw a few extra over to Lane just to prove that he was guilty. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chase. So that's that's all I got around the league. You got anything before we hop off here? All right, Mike. Well, I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, college football, man. We're like two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we've we've also got some appetizers on the weekend. I'm sure you've noticed those, but mm-hmm. uh, those are fa- actually a pretty good slate. Have you looked at the the weekend slate? Absolutely. I actually got the lines here ready for you, Shane. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Well, let's let's do the reviews here. First one comes from Donnie Wad. Cool name, five stars, absolutely five star. Love the guys. Oh, shit. Love the show, guys. Very refreshing take on all the SEC team. Go Vols. Well, Donnie, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate that one, Donnie. Next one comes from High Dog. If you love SEC football, this is the podcast for you, five star. This has quickly become one of my favorite podcasts. Mike and Shane do an amazing job of keeping you up to date and all things SEC football related. Both have great insight and offer unbiased opinions for everything they cover. Great job, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. Well, Hyde Dog, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate that one, Hyde. Next one comes from Cougar Rick. Cool name. Got a cougar running around Knoxville right now. (laughs) Great college football podcast. Five star. I'm a Washington State University fan who is thoroughly enjoying your SCC podcast. Thank you, Mike and Shane, for a delivery of a great college football podcast. Good luck to Coach Leach. Well, Cougar Rick, I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Rick. Uh, Glad to have a Pac-12 fan on board here. I wonder if anybody's going to ask Leach about the Tiger. Next one comes from SGuff1. Great show. Five star. Thanks, guys, for all the work you put into this. This show is how I stay up to date with everything 
going on in the SEC. Go Gators. Well, S. Guff, I don't do any work. I just show up. Mike <laughs> does all the work, and I appreciate him and you. Yeah, thanks, Guff. <laughs> Next one comes from Dr. Don K. Love it. Five star. Even with all the orange, that must be present during the recording of this podcast. <laughs> I think you two are great. It's like listening to family on the back porch talk football with the better-sounding san- beer. Keep up the great work, and go Cox. Well, Dr. Don K., I appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate that one, Dr. Don. Next one, last one. This one comes from Matt from Big City. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of letters up front there, Mike. doesn't look like it's spelled right, but it probably is. All you need for SEC info and fun, five-star. Since I'm such a UGA homer, I initially was skeptical of the pod, but Corona, so I subscribed and have been enjoying it for months. Great and funny content and the insights across all of the SEC. Shane, I've heard Natty Light is the new big thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it. Sounds lovely. No, I'm kidding, Matt. That's what got me through college, and I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Matt in Pflugerville. I think that's how, that you, how say you say that. that? Pfluger? Yeah. Okay. Why would they do that? There's a P in there. <laughs> the P, I don't know. The P is silent, brother. But All right. Hey, before we hop off here, like you said, we got tons of college football action. There's NFL games here about to kick off, so that's exciting. But uh, we got a couple lines here, and, and one, one I'm really fired up about here, Shane. Arkansas mm. State getting 10 points at Kansas State. Mm. That's going to be my lock of the week. I think you already went Arkansas State. I'm going with them again. They're already 1-0. I like them to cover. They may not win against Kansas State, but I like Arkansas State. to. That's my lock of the week. Head on over to my bookie and bet that one. But there's some other interesting games here. Lafayette at Iowa State. Mm. Iowa State's an 11.5-point favorite. You remember how those uh, Appy State fans, they love us. Charlotte yeah. at Appy State. Appy State's a 17-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Duke at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's a 20-point favorite. Georgia Tech at Florida State. Florida State's 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Clemson. This is game day, believe it or not. Clemson at Wake Forest. Clemson, 33-and-a-half-point favorite. Why the hell would that be game day? 30-point spread? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> And that then uh, last game, this this could be an interesting one too. Western Kentucky at Louisville. Louisville's eleven and a half point favorite, and the, the you know we got uh, Tyson Helton, old Tennessee yeah. coordinator, versus uh, Scott Satterfield there. And um, okay, so, so I don't know any of these games interest you here, Shane. Yeah, I'm gonna go Hilltoppers, baby. Uh, just because I hate Louisville, so um, <laughs> Western Kentucky. I love their uniforms. Uh, they. You know, they. I, the only time I watched them last was uh, Arkansas, and they put a whooping on them. So right. uh, I have no idea. This is gut check. I'm just uh, – actually, it's the name of my beer here, gut, <laughs> gut check. So, <laughs> by the way, can I rank this one real quick? Oh, I, yeah, this, absolutely. Rank us this, your gut check here. I, you know, I, I'm sure it's great for, for fit people. Um but the hundred calories just didn't do it for me, man. It's got some like kind of citrus notes, and I, I'm I'm not digging that. So I'm gonna go five point one on the Sufferfest because I suffered through that one. So that's the only I didn't want to tell you this because I didn't want to scare you off from trying new beers. But that is yeah. the danger 
when you when you get out there and you get adventurous with your beers, you mm-hmm. can, you could possibly pick one that you're not gonna like. So maybe and maybe they got other kinds. I just got the the healthy one. You know, I feel fitter. <laughs> you know, but I just it's probably because I want to throw it up. So. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Not making fun. I beat anorexia. Um, no, can we say that? We probably can't. All right. We're good. So anyway, Mike, who'd you go with? You went with Kansas State? Is that, is that I'm your I'm going game? with Arkansas State over Kansas State. Kansas State may win it, but I'll, I like the mm-hmm. 10 points there for Arkansas State. I think they cover this game. And uh, a big reason why I was looking it up, that apparently they had an entire spring of football. Mm-hmm. Kansas State had none. And uh, you know, from these early games, I'm getting a I'm getting a feeling that these teams that got in the spring a little bit more prepared for the season, and uh, I I think that's big. Bill Snyder's gonna whoop your ass, you know that, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is he still around that program? I, I bet he is. Is his boy running it? Is no, they got I, they got a real okay. coach. They got a coach from uh, North Dakota State, I believe. Oh, okay. All right. So, all right. So you're going to go with them. Yeah, I'm going to go Western Kentucky. Um, I like the Hilltoppers. Um, not a huge fan of the coach, but you know what? He kind of grew on me last year a little bit. You know, he he was at least ma- man enough about it. He didn't run and hide. He went out there and uh, jumped into a, a new program. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one I'm going to go with. Well, I can't wait for it, Shane. I mean, this there's no SEC action, but I'm still going to be drinking beers, watching college football all Saturday. I'm fired up for it and uh, fired yeah. up to talk to you, Shane. So I appreciate you hopping on here with me. And, uh, hey, let's get off here and watch UAB Miami. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good one. We got the NFL. Oh, NFL cranks up tonight, man. I've got my fantasy football team locked in. Yes, sir. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, man. Football's here, baby. Absolutely. Oh, and before we go, one last reminder, you made it this far. If you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Shane will read those live on the show. We'll send you out a free koozie. Uh, Each one of those really does help. So I think that's going to do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols.